0: there's a trade-off between ambition and patience. Yes. So uh, <laughs> the, the trade-off for us is we want to grow, we want to get big, we want to have a cafe, we want to do all these things. Mm-hmm. But um, we have to be realistic, right? We have to, to satisfy this like intense desire to do all these really big things in this place, but mm-hmm. also be able to pay our bills. Right. be able to, to have a <laughs> job that um, um, we're, we're able to support the growth of this place by not having to be here some days other week. Mm-hmm. Um, so for everything there's so much of the, f- the stuff here that's boring overhead that's you know paying bills every month that's uh, paying rent, making sure that we have great insurance coverage yeah um to payroll every week all that mm-hmm. stuff that's the boring overhead and there's the fun part back here
1: hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of feeding curiosity i'm your host eric wenzel as always Feeding Curiosity is a podcast that explores the precarity of human experience, and we challenge ourselves and others to think, question, and synthesize wherever their curiosity takes you. In today's episode, we are joined by Alex Behrens of Maple Leaf Coffee Roasters, and in this conversation, Alex shares his insights into the world of coffee roasting, from sourcing the beans to the different flavors we are accustomed to he also expands on the idea of starting his business and just how much thought needs to go into it and this is not to say that you can't just have an idea and go headfirst into it alex takes a much more measured approach he is balancing a full-time job while chasing his passion of coffee roasting but he really expands on now that he has the business side of it Even though he still loves roasting coffee, he still has to learn all of the other aspects of what it means to now sell coffee to consumers. And I just love this conversation with having this idea of being able to chase your passion, but also make a living at the same time. And it's not to say you have to do one or the other. It is freaking phenomenal for me to be able to highlight local people that, for lack of a better word, are feeding their own curiosity and their own passions in their own way. And they're making it work for them. And I hope conversations like this, especially being able to highlight local. So Maple Leaf is located in Roselle, in Illinois, in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. So if you're in the area, please, please, please go check them out. Ask Alex about coffee and you'll see just how passionate it is about his craft. And it's just a cool conversation to have with people and to highlight their stories. And so with that, everyone, please enjoy... This conversation with Alex Barons of Maple Leaf Coffee Roasters.
2: Welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. And today we're actually joined by and doing a podcast on the road, kind of, at Maple Leaf Coffee Roasters. And we're joined with Alex Barons, who owns and operates this. Cool, yeah. Great to be here. Yeah, I I really appreciate
0: you coming by and having a the chat.
2: Yeah. So, you know, the story of like finding out this place is not too far from my home, which is kind of cool. And then my brother kind of mentioned you guys and you reached out. So it's kind of cool to have this little local connection kind of brewing with this little project. So it's kind of fun. So before we kind of jump into your coffee background, let's like back it up and say, what's your other side of it? Like, how did you get into coffee or what is even before that? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, um, I don't Me and my wife have any specific coffee background. For Mm -hmm. me, at least I've been drinking. Uh, far more coffee than probably help me for well over half my life at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the closest thing that I got to actually having a prep for this type of thing was getting an education degree in my undergraduate years. but uh, oh. nothing, nothing in the food service or okay kind of sanitation background. Anything like that all that was either self-taught or taking some classes on sort of things. So, got it. Um, this is really just a passion project that turned into something a little bit more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, is uh me and my wife are both engineers. So it's both you know, most other engineers know you just kind of want to dig into something grip and grip it apart learn everything about it. And that's uh that's kind of how we got here.
2: Wow. That's pretty cool. So it's just kind of following the curiosity of it basically, and just pretty much yeah. somehow it grew into having our own little storefront from there. Yeah, physical location with all the fun bells and whistles that go with it, and employees and all the bells and whistles that go with that too. So from there, if we want to back it up. The like early days of this was mm-hmm. it just like homebrew kind of like in your, totally. in like house somewhere, <laughs>
0: yeah yeah, in the kitchen. Um, so we started off actually I started off with some very small equipment mm-hmm. um, that uh, grew bigger and bigger and smelled up the house. Oh till, uh, okay. Until I realized that uh, this was the right the right time and the right place to to go professional. So mm-hmm. um, we actually started off with a little tiny um, air roaster that didn't do anything more. than Three ounces of coffee at the time, okay, for it, if I recall. And that would take about six to ten minutes, depending on what you're doing, to actually drink out a very small amount of coffee. Mm-hmm. Really, it was really about three ounces, which is maybe enough to make one or two pots of coffee. If that Wow. And um, the fun part about that was that it gave you a chance to really experiment with small, small bits and do some trial and error mm-hmm. Never really got too much money as we were doing it. So it was a really great I started. And then we got a couple of larger roasters, eventually i think in of a larger drum roaster that we do at most uh, a pound of coffee, but the realistic amount was about eight ounces um, and had a lot more control, a lot more uh, variables that you could play with on it to uh, kind of get some, some different output. But it was still a lot of trial and error. Um, still a lot of just, you know, getting some different copies, mm-hmm. doing some research, reading stuff online, watching a lot of videos and really seeing what you do with this wow. copy. Um, it wasn't until we got in here that we really started to vary some of the experimentation that we did um, to kind of see what uh, different types of uh, origins we can play with. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first place that I really tried blending. Uh, oh, so we wow. never really blended copies of home did straight single origin. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't didn't really venture outside of that, that realm too much. Um, so this kind of gave us the opportunity and the need to uh, try different things. So we did a lot of home, uh, I did a lot of home, but <laughs> we moved in here. Um, it gave, gave us a lot more reasons to experiment and try things off of the path that we been doing
2: before. Sweet. So the, so the initial phase of it, it sounds like you were just a lot of really small volume, just kind of tinkering. Very small volume. Kind of, yeah. kind of like, very much that like, you know, tinkerers like garage type setup sounding, but for, yes. for
1: the coffee. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and you're kind of just, you know, doing, finding something and just kind of, playing around with it, right? So you're, yeah. so you're getting the raw beans basically yourself grinding them up or roasting them first then grinding them up yeah. from start to finish.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, I mean, when we sell the to will come in here, um, everything that we sell is uh, whole bean unless they ask for to be ground. Got it. Um, okay. But you, what, yeah, right. What we do um, is we take the, the raw product and turn it into something, uh, something that you're ready to, ready to turn into um, But that, I mean, just, just mm-hmm. coming from the, raw product to the um, roasted varieties So it mm-hmm. takes a lot of thought, a lot mm-hmm. of research. Um, you really kind of, you don't really fall into the stuff <laughs> backwards. You kind of got to sit down and, and try to think of what you're trying to get. Really? What do you want to get out of this? Um, you know, and then how, how much are you willing to experiment Because mm-hmm. uh, Especially when you're doing this um, for real, you, you have to accept that there's always going to be a certain amount of Money that you're, in, you're effectively throwing your garbage, mm-hmm. um, but you want to kind of minimize the amount of time. So you, you have to spend when you're doing this for for money. You have to accept a certain amount of loss, but you also right. have to be willing not to um, experiment too much mm-hmm. because eventually you eventually need to start making some money out. Of
2: yeah. Your, so that's interesting. I think from here it might be worth kind of painting the picture of like not you know. Yeah, divulging yeah. these secrets about coffee roasting but kind of just painting the a, a deeper understanding about it because i think most people kind of their view of yeah. coffee is kind of starbucks yeah for the most part but no one really thinks about where like sure. how the actual roasting process gives different flavors or anything like that even i don't really even know that but it's yeah. kind of it seems yeah. like the next logical thing to kind of dive into
0: of course so um i mean the, the thing you're kind of trying to get to is well how do you um you know, how do you make some
2: Yes, yeah, basically.
0: <laughs> and uh, as, as you do with, with anything else that, that you make that people eat, the, the best way to start is to start with good ingredients, good raw product. So it doesn't matter how, how professional of a setup you have, how sophisticated an equipment and machinery you have. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're starting with, with a, a coffee that's not good to begin with, you're never going to be able to infer quality on the output by just Doing a really great roast, mm-hmm. so um, the, the cornerstone of any good coffee roast or even big ones um, have to be able to produce a quality product. Is to start with quality, quality uh, uh, raw product. Raw yeah, product. and that that means um, that you want to find something that not only fits your, your desired tastes, but it is also um, that you know about where it's coming from. You know mm-hmm. about the product. Even for small places, there's only a certain amount of. Um, Distance you can go to actually knowing the products because I can't fly mm. to the farm in Central America or Africa or Indonesia or any right. Asia Pacific and verify these things. But you have to work with somebody that you trust. You have to find a good place that um, has good reviews, that sources from quality places themselves. themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then beyond that, you just have to kind of know some of the window. You, know, you have to know about what kind of stuff you're buying. If it's a wash process or a natural process or a food mm-hmm. process. You have to know um, what time of the year you're in because coffee's a crop. Um, a it's a crop that is only available certain months of the year, because mm-hmm. you get it. And then um, you should have to know beyond that how you're roasting. So really, the best best way to start is to know where you're buying from. Okay. And um, sometimes you can go a little bit further and doing some research, as to coffee's from this region or this. Oh wow! Okay. Or co-op or generally, you know, given this kind uh, of, of rating. Like that, so um, every coffee generally comes with a cupping score. Okay, they, they call it is basically a number between zero and hundred that gives it a certain um, certain quality, and uh, you really want to kind of get a good understanding of what you're starting out with. Um, and then generally, for most roasters, you order a very small amount, something to do some sampling with, and to just get a sense of um, kind of what you're for it
2: Okay, um, but really, it's you have to start with something good. You can't roast quality into that. It's, it. that sounds super similar to a lot of the things I hear from almost any you know genre. It's you yeah. got the raw ingredients that you use are sure. everything. Like yeah. if you start with poor form and working out, or if you're not eating the right foods in general, you're just not gonna. You know, the building blocks of your body are the qual- like the quality of what you put in, right? Absolutely. So it's it's. Absolutely. It's uh, it's like a common theme that I've noticed on all of these different trends. It's like you yeah. can't start with something, you can't make something good if you start with crap.
0: No, yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a universal statement. Yeah. So the the way that a lot of the um, a lot of the bigger places kind of deal with um, less less quality raw product is mm-hmm. roasting
2: the coffee darker, oh, which okay. is a bad thing.
0: Um, so any
2: of your big. Isn't that what they say about like Starbucks? Not yeah, to like the burn taste. Things. Right. So yeah. The
0: people the complaint that people generally have is that they don't like the the burn flavor or something of that nature. And that's that's just the byproduct of, of uh, what we generally speaking, Americans kind of expect is consistency. Got it. Okay. So the way that you, you produce a consistent flavor twelve months out of, twelve months out of the year is that you try to, to roast the coffee darker because the um, the raw ingredients in any coffee are going to be different mm-hmm. 12 months out of year. And we, we do the same thing with our blends because we have to. So some of our blends use coffees from, um, you know, a couple Latin American countries. Mm-hmm. And uh, because the uh, crops can't grow 12 months out of the year, there are certain times in the year that we have to choose, uh, choose coffees from the same country, but from different parts of the country. Yeah. And uh, effectively what we try to do, especially with the, with the lighter roasted coffees is try to find something that has a very very similar flavor mm. but if we have some of our darker roasted coffees you can sort of mask the the raw flavors mm. by roasting it super dark and Got it. Um, the reason that that kind of works is that the, the very simple equation that you get out is the lighter roasted coffee the more you taste where the coffee was grown mm-hmm. the darker you roast the coffee the more you taste how it was roasted so that's it. why we as Americans are more used to drinking darker roasted coffees is because uh, the big places like your Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or McDonald's all of our customers and indeed a lot of us as, as consumers expect that when I go get a cheeseburger from the McDonald's here in Moselle or a cheeseburger from uh, the airport um, you know, McDonald's that yeah. I'm going to be getting the same product no matter where I'm going. Yeah. And certainly speaking, it's, it's not realistic to expect that you're always going to be same product. but you're yeah. gonna get something very similar. Unless you are a very really refined
2: palette, you probably not yeah. I mean, it makes sense because it's like the, these companies are massive scale, right? Yeah, you're looking yeah. at serving the world as their customer versus serving, yeah. you know, a su- like a tiny, tiny, tiny subsection of that of That's just right. kind of, you know, whatever, say a thousand people are your customer base, right? Yeah, you, you can kind yeah. of play around in a wider spectrum of flavors or uniqueness right or craft basically is the, what we're getting at <laughs> yeah and it's kind of it's kind of interesting to think of it that way because i wouldn't have it makes sense that burning it like you know roasting it darker would make, make it homogenized basically is what yeah the, the idea
0: which is not a bad thing right I mean, right it's a stylistic choice. choice right yeah it's a choice and that's um we're, we're starting to become more uh, more enamored, more in love with going to small craft breweries, mm-hmm. things that have uh, different choices, different options. Yeah, which is totally okay. It's it's absolutely the way that um, some tastes kind of go. But I mean, I'll, I'll I'll confess too. Right, there's there's a lot of times where I just like to get a, you know, a Milky Way or a Three Musketeers, or something I just right. I don't really care. I just want to shove something you know, sweet know or in, something. In my yeah, face, and, and that's totally fine. <laughs> But then you also want to go every now and again to the to the greasy spoon diner kind of place, mm-hmm. the stuff that's that's not doing mass market mass mm-hmm. uh, kind of things. And it's the same thing with us. The great thing about coffee and the great thing about Starbucks is that even though they are big, is that they have introduced people into um, a better quality of coffee. Mm-hmm. Even though a lot of people come in here and they'll, they'll tell me what they drink right now, and they will say, "Well, I just went to Starbucks," and I'll say, "I'll oh. oh. as soon respond as to something effective." All of these places start off small. They all started off somewhere that, that was doing something very small, something something like us. It's not like I ever want to get large and you know, mm-hmm. you know forget the craft and, and the quality there. But uh, they've also done um, us and place, you know, artists and coffee roasters of my size a huge favor. Yeah. And in introducing people to something of a higher quality to begin with and also making them more willing to pay a few bucks more mm-hmm. for the quality of the coffee. Not to, you know, to and say like folders or uh, o'clock Coffee is bad or anything, but it's just not—it's not something that people are expecting to pay yeah. more than a, more than fifty cents a cup for <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, whereas if you go to Starbucks or um, uh, any of the, the smaller, like the larger, more artisan or expensive coffee places, mm-hmm. um, people are now willing to accept paying two to three dollars a cup for just mm-hmm. black coffee, not for the lattes, the cappuccinos, cappuccinos or, right. or stuff like that. Um, and that they've done us a in that mm-hmm. respect. But it also means that like this market is huge. Everyone drinks coffee.
2: Right. I mean most of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: So the, the market for someone like me to find people that are, want to try something a little bit off that path is mm-hmm. just it's, it's really big. And I'm not saying that they're doing bad things at Starbucks, but yeah. You just kind to want you know they're not gonna notice a few people kinda start coming here.
2: Right. Um, instead of there. So from there I kinda This might be a future question, but would would it be like in your wheelhouse to kind of turn it into not just coffee, but also making drinks based around your coffees and being like, here's a way like recipes or Mm -hmm. um, maybe just a cafe shop or just just like a hangout spot, I guess would be a good way to kind of describe it where people can have community based something. It's kind of, that's what it sounds like to me, where it's like basically that craft beer feeling, but you can hang out and drink coffee instead of the beer.
0: Yeah, we definitely <laughs> want to get there. Um, and I mean, this is something that I'm sure uh, a lot of people, uh, yourself included, um, kind of understand intuitively is that if you want to get a certain size, if you want to get big, um, you can really just try to put all of yourself into it and mm-hmm. try to just be reckless about the way that you grow and expand and try mm-hmm. to, to reach that stuff. Or you can try to be a little more conservative, mm-hmm. um, try to be a little more measured and calculated with your risks. And that's definitely the, the trade-off that we uh, have um, felt quite, um, quite instinctively all the time here to me and my wife is that there's a trade-off between ambition and patience. Yes. So uh, <laughs> the, the trade-off for us is we want to grow, we want to get big, we want to have a cafe, we want to do all these things, mm-hmm. but um, we have to be realistic, right? We have to, to satisfy this like intense desire to do all these really big things in this place, but mm-hmm. also... Be able to pay our bills, right? And be able to, to have a day <laughs> job that um, um, we're, we're able to support the growth of this place by not having to be here seven days out the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so for everything, and there's so much of the, f- the stuff here that's boring overhead—that's you know paying bills every month, that's uh, paying rent, making sure that we have our insurance coverage, yeah, doing um, mm-hmm. payroll every week, all mm-hmm. that stuff—that's the boring overhead. And there's the fun part back here. Right. The, the experimenting. Right. Where, where I'm thinking about, okay, well, in a couple of months, I'll have access to this coffee. So I'll you know, start to, to phase out this one and mm-hmm. anticipate bringing this one in, in a few months. Um, there's there's the stuff that I get a couple of customers that come in that are really dire coffee fanatics that come with their notes and they'll tell me about <laughs> things that they like. And those are the people that I love. But then I also love the people who just, they, they tried something, someone gave the coffee and this so, mm-hmm. is great. I didn't know that it, it tastes like this. Yeah. Um, that's how you introduce people in something deeper than what they're used to getting right now. Cool. Um, so there's there's a large part of any running any business, and this is a lot of the times of what the beer brewers end up doing is um, a couple of guys that are just doing their bathroom right. or something, and they just find some a couple hundred thousand dollars to help them build out a yeah pub space and stuff and get into it. Right?
2: I think what you're saying is pretty important because right now it seems like there's a lot of people that you know entrepreneurship broadly speaking is kind of buzzy. A lot of people kind of are enamored by it, right? Because yeah. we've grown up in this world, at least I have grown up in this world of the, the Microsofts and the Amazons and the Steve Jobs. And even Elon Musk is wrapped into that yeah. genre yeah. nowadays where people see it and they like, look, at he can be this mega billionaire and ultra successful. But yeah. they don't stop and think about the sacrifices and the amount of effort that they put into creating yeah. these mega corporations. Yeah. And there's a, you know, a really high likelihood for every, you know, Steve Jobs of the world, there's, you know, hundreds of thousands or, you know, people who tried and failed. And I think in today's world, I I don't know, maybe this is just my own instinct turning in is it's worth having a thing like a dream or a goal that's outside of your professional world Mm -hmm. to keep building out because you kind of don't, I don't know, I just feel like in it's changed, like from our parents or my parents' generation. Is you could have had a job for thirty years, yeah, and had a you know a ladder of succession and yeah. get somewhere by the end of that, sure, and, and, had, and, and then you retire.
0: Large family to support and things like that. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that, of course. But yeah, I mean we have um, uh, we have a lot more opportunity to try to spend time on the side doing things, and there's, mm-hmm. there's the approachability of a lot of people's hobbies um, is is uh, it's become a lot more approachable to have hobbies on the side. Um, because we're not, you know, toiling on a farm all day, yeah, or working in a factory for forty-plus hours a week. Although, you know, if you work in your office, you're kind of always on call, yeah, and email <laughs> and Slack and stuff like that. But um, still, there's there's just so many more opportunities and, and ways to connect with other people who might be into something similar to what you are. Mm-hmm. of that, so uh, no matter what people are doing, it's coffee or beer, or baking, or um, writing anything out there that they're just bearing themselves into. It's totally possible to have a side life, like a yeah. second job, this other thing that you want to do and then to, to dedicate a certain amount of your life to it that you see that, that you think you can support. And that was how they started for Right? This is a thing in the kitchen that was in the corner. And it just got bigger and bigger until it became something
2: that, um, so you know, it's, it's
0: five days a week for
2: me. yeah. That's like so, five cool. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like for you where you could finally justify and be like, oh wait, this isn't just something that I can s-
0: mm-hmm.
2: like do in my kitchen. This is something that I might actually be able to use, like support myself on, like, or at least make something out of it. Like yeah, this is asking, something like, people pay for. What made it, what made that, what, what, what made us want to do it? Yeah. Or, like um, either the inspiration of it or sure. the... Well, uh, I mean,
0: for what it's worth, I've always wanted to run my own business. Mm-hmm. Um, I never... I had a couple ideas in my twenties as to what that business would be and uh, you know, tried a couple of things that would work out. Uh, it was always something with a physical product, it was never mm-hmm. uh, a digital, digital thing or anything like gotcha. But I kind of like working with my hands more than I do working on a computer, which is ironic given that um, you know, I spend the day in an office working on a computer, but um, <laughs> Why yeah. you enjoy doing this so much? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a little more. I mean, it's just it's my thing, right? It's not yeah. everyone's. Um, you know, some people are really into to doing to that kind of thing, and I, I just I, I, I again mean, because I'm good at it. But I'm just not because I don't want to do it all my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the, for us, uh, it it just happened one one summer that we're looking around, and um, one of our our friends that runs a little bakery up in Northern Wisconsin kind of offhand asked, "Well, what do when are you got to do this uh, for real so that I can start buying coffee from you? And I just kind of, you know, lit this little light bulb in my head where I was looking around saying, okay, well, this summer, you know, maybe I could start looking around at places and just start to put some, uh, you know, put some spare time into looking around doing research to see what it would cost to get a roaster, mm-hmm. uh, what kind of scale could I possibly achieve? And I started making all these spreadsheets and sitting down, just kind of crazy like that. Um, <laughs> and and I just, uh, you know, me and my wife sat down and I kind of looked at it and said, okay, well, what do we think this would cost us to do? You know, what are the opportunities? Um, do a little research on what, uh, what kind of competitors we might have mm-hmm. or what opportunity we might, might have. And um, just kind of stepped back and looked at it and said, maybe now's the time. Mm-hmm. You know, can we support this with our own time and our own lives? And um, it turned out we could, right? Yeah. And uh, so we, we, we found a good place to rent um, in the town that we live. Uh, not too far from where we live. In fact, so I could, you know, walk to this place, mm-hmm. do find, uh, find a way out to get a job. Um, and, uh, just gave it a shot. And I mean, uh, it was hard. I mean, it continues to be hard, right? Like running a business is never easy. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you, you, for me, I, I want to spend all my time doing the fun things. Right. But then there's all this other stuff that's not fun that just it takes. <laughs> so if I was still doing this in the kitchen, I might not have, I, I probably wouldn't know the extent. Yeah. And sure it would probably take me many more years to to understand the nuances of all the stuff about coffee that I now understand. Mm-hmm. Technique and all the stuff that um never would have been obvious to me if I hadn't had to be like push myself a little bit further, We to, to do this. But it's always um it's it's been beneficial to to be put in that position where you you constantly remember that you don't know a whole bunch of things. <laughs> And um, yeah. there's something you learn almost every month, not only about coffee, but about actually the logistics of roasting, packing, mm-hmm. and, uh, selling coffee to yeah. people and finding what they want. So uh, we just we found the right place, right time. Um, I was not a good person for six months yeah. to, to anyone because mm-hmm. uh, this this place was pretty bare and it's like a lot of work just to open it, mm-hmm. which. Um, meant that, you know, month after month, I'd see a few more dollars go out the door and no dollars coming in. Yeah. And, uh... Just that, all the overhead and yeah, dragging that, it out. <laughs> that, uh, that was a tough thing to stomach for a while, and in retrospect, it still is. But, um, you know, if, if you're not, you don't have a background in this, if you don't have a background in the food service or restaurants or anything like that, um, you have to pull a lot of favors. Mm-hmm. You know, as a graphic design you have to pull a lot of favors, um... There's just a lot of stuff that you rely on, with friends and community, and help mm-hmm. uh, from others to, to make this uh, possible. And, and is that
2: uh, for like licensing and all of the permitting it's and stuff For like everything.
0: That? It's for so many things. Um, all the work that we had to do to build this place out. I mean, I don't know anything about the sanding floors and, and putting this uh, this uh, coating on it that mm-hmm. uh, my neighbor did. And I don't know anything about it, plumbing. Uh, you know, doing plumbing for, for um, all the stuff mm-hmm. we digging concrete, do uh, that. So, my neighboring guy, um, all the, the painting we did ourselves, the electrical work. I, I had a company that, um, that we've used before for smaller stuff in the house that uh, we've been good friends with, um, <laughs> permitting uh, that was relying on a couple other business owners that we reached mm-hmm. out to, uh, to kind of get like, hey, how do we right. do this? Right graphics work we have uh, two friends that do this work for free yep which means that we live on their timeline not our own but yeah okay, the cost is, the prices right um even this like the furniture and stuff is customer that uh, built some of the, the front counter and the shelves and things and you might repair my two our two bats uh, are both uh, people sculpt their hands so that mm-hmm. you want to help kind of do some of the um, some of the of gas uh, yeah. lines and things like that just you have to have all these people right? yeah and really was it's not a one person thing. So sometimes people, the entrepreneurs, like look at all the stuff they built, but right? they did, yeah. Unless <laughs> you're just some some guy writing a piece of software, it's just it's impossible to do stuff on your own. Yeah, it really is. Unless I mean, you're I, just insanely rich and insanely time well, like wealthy time.
2: Right. I think I feel like part of it is like people who go and start companies. It's like they find a thing. There's like two ways of doing this, right? Either you yeah. something you know you get struck by a bolt of lightning and you're like, this is what I want to focus all of my energy on yeah. all the time for the next, you know. Until I either I wind up burnt out and broke or somehow it like launches itself. And then there's the other person who's kind of like gets wealthy beforehand and still had all these ideas and yeah. they're able to funnel that wealth because it's di- disposable income at that point. Uh-huh. And they don't have to worry about, you know, doing the hard thing like yeah. you know, yeah, eating ramen noodles for a year <laughs> or, <laughs> or, you know, pushing doors together to make desks, stuff like that. And that's what I reminded you of when you were so explaining all the little nuts and bolts of just getting this small little space open is just the the amount of knowledge required by other industries mm-hmm. to be able to just roast coffee right yeah, yeah. <laughs> something very simple
0: i mean it's uh, a lot of a lot of people who buy the, the kind of machine that i have to just do it in their drives their mm-hmm. a propane tank to it something like that okay gotcha they just do that but um you know if you want to sell things to people and someone gets sick and Right, the health department comes knocking on the door and says, "What are you doing?" <laughs> it's,
2: yeah,
0: it's going to be a different story, but um, yeah, it's just—I mean, unless you're like I said, insanely wealthy or, or have a lot of time, you can't do the stuff on your own. It's—it's mm-hmm. um, it's one thing to know to know the, the ins and outs of, of what I'm doing, and what we're doing here, um, to put uh, roasted coffee beans in the bag, mm-hmm. but then it's another like ninety percent of the rest of it's just. How do you actually run the business? Like, how do you do this? And nobody says you gotta teach us that. You take a million classes, <laughs> you can ask other business owners. But there's just, there's always a little nuance. There's always this, like one extra little thing that mm-hmm. you're never just going to know how to do it unless you you're actually are thrown in the middle of it. Yeah. You start to refine it all the time. Um, and I, I mean, there's countless examples of that kind of thing. And that's, you have to love that too, right? Yeah. Or you have to, if there's a business partner that wants to, to take the that kind of thing, another person just takes the, the mental stuff, the stuff that's about building a great product. Yeah. For me and my wife work are the same person. And frankly it's it's me a lot more than, than her in terms of uh, time. Um but you, you can't unless there's another person you, you doing this with you. The part part of what you know you have to build here is, is the confidence and the knowledge mm-hmm. of how to actually run the business. Yeah. Because it doesn't just start to stop it You're putting coffee in the roaster and
2: no. popping out.
0: <laughs> that's just like step one in a many step process to actually
2: Yeah, it's, it reminds me of so many different things of just, you know, it's like the first thing you you always hear is like, you don't have a customer until there's someone, you know, buys the product. Right. And so that's like one of the steps, but then it's like, for you, it just started at just roasting coffee. And then now it's like, you're learning all the in-between steps about that process to figure out how to make it a marketable product yeah yeah. with all the many different layers in between that. yeah. and then the other part of it, you're kind of talking about this administrative side that, you know, people get enamored by the doing of things, but mm-hmm. the organization is kind of the the overtone of it. You kind of... You got to do that part right, too. Yeah. To and really you've been talking about it a lot. It seems yeah. like you really kind of hammer on this organization. Like, mm-hmm. is it right? Are we spending too much or not enough? Yeah. Or, yeah. Like trying to find that sweet spot to keep yourself in, the, in a good zone at the very least. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: for sure. I
2: mean, like I
0: said, you, unless you have a partner or partners that you're doing this with, um, you gotta worry about everything. Mm-hmm. And that's not just making the product, but that's, that's the most important part, really. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if you make a poor product and you ask people to give you money for it, right? nobody's gonna wanna do that. Yeah. Um, so at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much, how well all the other administrative overhead type of thing is going if nobody wants to give you money in exchange for what, what you're, you're making, then it's pointless. Right. Um, so it's, it's, it's really, you know, all these things have to, to work together. Um, mm-hmm. and If they don't, then it doesn't matter how, how much, um, how much you try. It's just not going to work. Yeah. Um, but I mean, trust me, at the end of the day, um, even though it's different, using a bigger roaster, commercial roaster, to do this, it's still, uh, it's still just as much fun as it well was in the kitchen. In fact, it's a lot easier. Really? Yeah. Well, because I mean, the kitchen, it's, you, you have a lot fewer variables to play with. I was going
2: to say you probably body. have more knobs to turn and adjust. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But it's um, I mean, it's it, it's just that I, I come home smelling like coffee instead of being at home and smelling our coffee. So, um, it's it's just as so much fun. Every every time I get a new coffee or another one that comes back, I just think you know, a lot. A lot of them I think back to when I first roasted them in the kitchen and um, you know what it was like. To actually experience and mm-hmm. something go from something I didn't know what it was going to be to something else. That's cool. Um, just watching that transformation happen all the time, which is fascinating mm-hmm. people. Um, And people usually pick up on that if they ask, well, you know, what, what is this all about? we just sort of diving into how coffee works and mm-hmm. why certain things are the way they are. Um, it's just a fun conversation. have. You know? Well, go ahead. Dive yeah.
2: into it. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I, I, I could name a few. I mean, one of the most common... Um, I mean, I told you a little bit about the darker roasted coffees and mm-hmm. why that is, right? That's that's a thing that people don't, um, don't have to explain to them too much. Um, for good reason, I suppose. Uh, you know, one of the favorite things that, that we get a lot of times, uh, misconceptions that we get is uh, that uh, the darker is the coffee, have more caffeine. When mm-hmm. In reality, it's because you're 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 just basically cooking, yeah, coffee. I mean, the more and more you heat it, the darker it gets. Uh, the darker it gets, the less caffeine that it has because you're removing more of the oils, and the oils you want have caffeine. Um, you know, there's some other stuff people find fascinating about decaf coffee, that's an extra process on top of. Process that it takes to, to get just the raw coffee to turn out. So, the decaffeination process of coffee is so always the second step. That's usually a favorite thing that I, I talk to people about is how decaffeination of coffee actually works mm-hmm. um, and why it results in um, a different flavor for the most part. And it's also why it's a harder to roast decaf coffee, which is sort of a story in and of itself. Um, there's the, you know, the ways that uh, roasters actually roast coffee. It's very much either a person who focuses on the numbers and the technical aspects or a person who focuses on the sensory aspects or you can be some spectrum between. Mm-hmm. Um these these things are create a different styles roasters in the same way that, that brewers have, you know, certain breweries have certain beers that will brew. Mm-hmm. Um, roasters a lot of times have something like that where the, you know, the roaster the human being oftentimes has a different way that they approach things. Mm-hmm. Um, I have come into contact with different good roasters that say like I'm gonna do this way and this is how I think Coffee, there's different different ways. Because of the way that I started, I probably do about 60% of my technique is based on sensory aspects, okay. the sights, the sounds, the smells, things like that. Mm-hmm. Another 40% is the technical aspects, like temperatures, rates of change, mm-hmm. um, the physical size of the, of the beings themselves, all the stuff that goes into it. and um, it's uh, something that um, until you have access to some of the tools in a commercial roaster that, 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 that I don't really have the ability to do at home. Yeah. So usually if you start at home, you just all the sensory because that's the only have Yeah. Um, and there's a whole lot in this uh, business that um, is fun in terms of the, uh, the overlap and the way that the technique and stuff works with other, other industries, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of overlap in the process there in terms of the way things work and so the kind of reactions. Mm-hmm. There's a huge overlap with, like, simple stuff like cooking meat on a grill or baking something in an oven. Um, a lot of their actions uh, are the same. A lot of the principles are the same uh, f- from things like, you know, how heat applies are convective from conductive heat work in mm-hmm. um, the roasters. Uh, even the way that um, uh, some, like the weight loss is a very simple one, where right? you put in one pound of beans into a roaster, but we yield one pound of beans. Right. There's yeah. As well. So um, there's just a lot in common. Sometimes other people come here. There'll be another issue of their baker, we've had some chocolate makers and here we've done some collaborations with. And um just understanding how they do their process, how they talk shop, like mm-hmm. what it is like for them to actually
2: make something. A lot of times there's a lot of commonality between the way people right? to do it. We just want to kind of keep it up. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's cool. I, I wouldn't make, I always love finding the interlap between different industries, even though it doesn't seem like they're yeah. similar on the surface. Like yeah. obviously brewing probably seems like the the closest related but mm-hmm. to baking and food cooking it wouldn't be expected but it does make a lot of sense once you stop and think about it like, oh, yeah. yeah that does and just kind of being able to dive into it and kind of give people a window into the coffee world right like you said everybody drinks coffee yeah so people yeah. You know, but it's a thing that shows up, and it's in a can. It's pre-ground for the most part,
0: mm-hmm.
2: or it doesn't even, or you don't even see that. You just buy a cup of coffee from somewhere, and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. and that's your, that's it. That's as far as people go backwards from the process. Yeah. yeah. Um, so with that, actually, I was now that just kind of popped in my head. Have you ever been to like a coffee farm?
0: I have not. No. Okay. Um, that was actually one of the questions that we get a lot for opening up. Was, uh, are you going to go visit? Mm-hmm. Uh, coffee uh, farm somewhere and and, um, and it's just uh, from a uh, obviously even if we didn't have pay jobs um, getting getting those relationships established mm-hmm. is something that takes a decent amount of time you don't just show up at a coffee farm right? And you I start buying things um, so most of the time roasters like us and even medium sized ones usually work through one or so importers, mm-hmm. and every now and again you might get an opportunity to go visit a farm mm-hmm. um, something like that but of course that that requires travel to areas that are sometimes a little more inaccessible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's these are big farms, and uh, a lot of times they're in poorer uh, parts of the world, depending on the country that you're sourcing from. There's certain ones that are like Brazil is a really good example. Of, yeah, they're like forty percent of the entire production of coffee in the whole world. Wow. Um, so there's there's a very uh, Logistics and, and the industry is new uh, infrastructure for coffee in some countries is very sophisticated. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole bunch that are not. Um, so we, we actually a good example is we get um, every now and again we have access to a coffee from Yemen right now. Which right now, of course, you know Yemen is very important country, mm-hmm. difficult to get anything into or out of, and um, just that we could get access to a Yemeni coffee was, was a huge thing. But mm-hmm. there's no universe in which we're, you know, for obvious reasons, able mm-hmm. to visit Yemen um, but then there's you know there's maybe a point in the future where if we able quit the day job, and um, start doing this uh, on our own, and maybe start directing for some things ourselves. Mm-hmm. Maybe hey you know like I can one of my importers or try to find a way to go to say farm yeah or stuff myself. But even that's an expertise. Right. Being a coffee importer is one thing. Being coffee roaster is a very different thing. These are just two distinct uh, competencies fields that mm-hmm. you can probably try to do both if you're really big and you want to. You know, have some cost savings there, but for some of our size, it just makes sense right now. Yeah. You just kind of have to trust your importers
2: and yeah. the connections within the industry of like, oh yeah, this is a good, good farmer collective even, because it yeah. might not even yeah. be one farm at that point. Absolutely. That makes sense. I just was thinking, because it'd be, it'd be a cool story to kind of be able to tie the tie the knot back and forth and see, yeah. or at least at the very least have some sort of exposure to what a coffee farm looks like, right? Yeah, The The actual coffee itself... Looks very different than what it looks like once you even get to it. Sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that there's some some number of people uh, somewhere parts of the world with the amount of coffee that we have here right now. I mean, venture a guess how many farmers are actually involved in, mm-hmm. in uh, getting the stuff here? But that um, there's just some some group of people in the world that puts their heart and soul into growing coffee. And mm-hmm. They have no going to happen to. It. Yeah. Like they have no idea how like how it's going to turn up with some person in the Chicago area Right, in the end of the day. Um, and that's just bonkers. It just feels just crazy. Right? But, like, that's that's the case. But
2: um yeah.
0: I mean go back two hundred years and, and the coffee industry was not real industry. It was just like maybe you got some stuff but it was not, not what it is today in the last twenty years. It's just kind it of great, but
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you know, it's like the evolution of things, right? Where mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. slowly but surely things become more there's like a mass marketing and then it kind of not really collapses but it like opens up a new slice where people can start experimenting yeah yeah it seems like in the last 50 years we kind of had the big giant brands of the you know do it just cheaply as effectively as possible yeah has kind of died or kind of just stabilized and now yeah. people are like looking at it differently like that i guess it's the new idea of like the quality versus quantity mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i think there's a at least in the younger generation, seem to be looking at this quality aspect of things, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot more heavily. Like they're, like you're saying before, they're more willing to spend a l- little bit more money on it. Yeah. Regardless, um, d- does that play into factor for you with like, like organics and stuff like that? I don't know if they, can can coffee be technically organic? It can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we get organic coffee every now and again. Um, the,
0: the hard part with organics for someone like us is that if I want to slap a. Like a USDA or USDA organic sticker on something, mm-hmm. um, I'd have to have some strict controls here in separate prep areas. Got it. That, so even though there are some coffees that are organic when I when I get them, um, technically by another the rule set, you can't guarantee it. I can't I can't say it's organic because even mm-hmm. if I stack a box of non organic coffee on top of an organic coffee, it's no longer the the coffee product is no longer organic. Got it. I can't call it that. Anymore. Got it. Um, so for us. Uh, we're always kind of treading a line of. Like, and there, are some, there are some people that come in that are very interested in those types of things. Mm-hmm. But by and large, far more people are um, are, are just interested in trying something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, not that they don't care about that stuff, but uh, they're not here because they, they heard about this really coffee. district, they're, they're here because they, they want to hear something else, or they, they've they heard about this really great thing from a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have, I mean, it's the same same probably portion of people who come in with their notes about. They taste coffee. Yeah. Some people really <laughs> that. Um, and for us, we don't I don't want it to cut the demographic too thin to be able to scare away right people who just like drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. Just don't want to have to know about the full detail the full of where the coffee came from. Well, I can tell them about that if they want. Yeah. So
2: it's just knowing who your audience is at the so, end of the day. Yeah, yeah. But it's you know, there's different different layers of it, right? That's yeah. kind of the way I look at it is Absolutely. there's like conceptual circles of people, and some people like to go down in the nitty gritty.
0: Yeah.
2: Other people are just like, yeah, I'll just drink a cup of coffee as long as it tastes good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like everything else in the world, right? Some people are sports fans and they love playing fantasy football or something yeah. like, that's just really fun to so brain right now. TV.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Or just don't even pay attention to it, like myself. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's this is what, this is what been hard about doing podcasts right now because normally Sundays are recording day, but yeah. But everyone wants to watch football right oh. now. I'm just like. Man. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's
2: rough. I <laughs> six more months. I know. I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to jump through some hoops to figure this out, but that's a that's a whole separate. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's interesting to think about all the layers involved with you know, because even in this last we're 40 minutes right now, and you've just been you've mentioned from. Roasting coffee is like how you started and then now you're dealing with the business aspect and then you're dealing with the the, the shades of your customers on yeah. top of that. Yeah. Um, the one question that did come back to me was like, you're talking about administrative work. And I kind of started reviewing this to myself in some way because my day job, I'm a, a hybrid program manager where I kind of still do my own stuff, but also yeah. manage a couple people, sort of people or pass off things. And, um you know, the, the word that keeps coming to mind for me is like it's like imaginary work, right? Where you're sending emails all day or you're working in yeah. spreadsheets where you're doing stuff, but you're not really producing. Doing, yeah, you're not yeah. producing anything. Uh, and it, as the engineer in me wants to call it J work. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like the, the frequency curve and stuff like no, that. I get but. It. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the I think about it is the cost of big business, right? Right. It's, it's overhead, but if
0: you don't do that overhead, then the rest of the work, mm-hmm. um, I don't. If I don't uh, file my uh, my, my uh, state uh, state tax remittances at the end of the other month, and eventually the government you know, revenue is going to come back from like saying where our sales tax uh mm-hmm. from you last month. Right. Whatever. Um, I mean, it, it's, yeah, I mean, like I was saying, it's, there's a the part of the business here that's doing the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's everything else that you need to support your know, ability to do the fun stuff, mm-hmm. like cleaning the roaster. Sure, this place is running, they have enough supplies, yeah. Um, that the credit card bills are paid on time. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, you know, person order, the box is packed and taped up properly and shipped and actually shows up in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, all this stuff that goes into it. That if you get big enough, you, you hire know, someone to do that, <laughs> hire some people to, write to to do those parts, yeah. And then you can change what you want to do and do something different, yeah. That we're not
2: there yet. Right? I mean, I, I just the reason I'm like double like double downing on that stuff is because like that's even though my podcast is mostly me besides recording with someone yeah there's still a big portion of it is like invisible stuff that make you know it's that's all it's all invisible things yeah. that are just like in the background you know the show notes me having to re-listen to a whole hour like oh yeah i have to re- record it and then re-listen to it and do all that stuff and then have to do the the website side of it, and they create all the graphics and imaging stuff that nobody really, you know, it just gets taken for granted for as like as yeah. like the package, right? It's like you have this thing and then you have to put the thing, right? Like for you, it's just the beans, but for me, it's the audio. Yeah, And then you have to figure out how you're going to, you know, wrap it in a box and present yeah. it to whoever is going to listen to it. Yeah. And it just, there's so many parallels for me as I'm, you're like explaining all this stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, that does, <laughs> that sounds really similar. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. And then, you know, that's again, it goes back to the money part of it is like who it's, if you, if you can do it, you're like, you're trading money for time. Yeah. It's like, do you really love doing it? And you just put your own time into it? Or do you have enough money already that you can just pay someone else Somebody to be, else do, do yeah. the boring stuff? for you're you paying
0: someone else though, then that's not this money that you're not
2: keeping. Right. Right. <laughs> so right. And that's the, that's the double edged sword of being small, right? It is. Yeah, it, is. it is. So I we're getting close closer to the end and I don't want to do, take up too much of your time. Sure. And so we'll kind of transition to some more broader questions about just your experiences with stuff like that. And so like the first one would be like any like experiences you've had with like coffee, like experimenting with something, or like something that changed your mind, like where you didn't have any sort of like you had a viewpoint of something and you like experience happened and just completely just shifted your take on something.
0: Um, you know, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know, I don't know if I think a really specific to point to. I think, um, I, I think the the question that a lot of people ask me. Um, that, that might might in some way answer this is you know what what uh, what's your favorite coffee or so okay you know, what you really like and, and the answer are usually them as well I, I like all of them so I sell it and so people sometimes will you know say like oh you must never drink cut from here or something like that like they expect me to stop mm-hmm. and the, the thing that I kind of try to get to when I'm talking to anyone about this kind of thing is the only way that you know what's good is you try everything, and so you develop mm-hmm. one of the most important parts about developing or what you like what you don't like is by trying everything, gotcha. um, and it's, it's the same same thing in a lot of industries well, with a lot of interest in that um, you can't you can't just stick to one thing, right? You got to yeah. sometimes branch out a little bit to explore to see what's out there. Um, so to kind of roundabout answer your question, a lot of um, a lot of coffee for me as I as I got further, further into it, it became more about just experimenting. Trying mm-hmm. um, things that I would normally maybe see, like not get shot to. So, yeah. expensive stuff, sort of cheap stuff, uh, I raise in between. Um, never being someone that wants to like turn my nose up to something because if it stinks, then I'll still drink it because it's hot and caffeinated and black. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll at least be able to develop a sense of what I think is good and what I don't think is good. And um, that's one of those things that sometimes people just come in and ask that question expecting you to give a very clear answer. they are unfortunate fortunate enough for that sort of like, well, it's kind of not answering answer question. And um, <laughs> I, think, I think for me, that's how, how I sort of develop a bit more of sophistication in how I think about coffee um, mm-hmm. And how I think about it. So it's, it wasn't a change so much as just a realization that that's what I had to do. Yeah. And that's it's a really good rationalization for not being able to tell somebody which coffee is my favorite. I can mm-hmm. tell them if I was Really hard pressed. I might favor this one over this one for these reasons, but then mm-hmm. there could be other circumstances where I like this over that
2: yeah. for other reasons. I think that's a I think that's a really good point to make because it, part of it isn't even for me having this podcast is is for answers like those because in this world everyone is so you know campy mm-hmm. tribal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we we like to pick A or B
0: and never 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 yeah. a little
2: too mean. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we don't. And I think by giving that answer where it's like, well, what do you like? Right? You you force people to think for yeah. themselves to, to some yeah. degree because what they want is you for you to tell them yeah. what they and should buy. you should buy. Yeah. yeah. And and to you know, that broadly applies not just to coffee, but it's like, no, go find out like go listen to other people's viewpoints on whatever yeah. it is yeah. and develop your own opinion for it yeah. first. <laughs> that's yeah. what a palate is in general. And so yeah. I, I just think that's a really good answer that applies way more broadly than even oh, <laughs> does. Okay. To, to this. So it, it, it's a perfect answer to me. Cool. Um, so from there we'll have, uh, you, you'd mentioned, I mentioned books and stuff like that, yeah. but you, you didn't really have huh. uh, a, like a favorite book or a book you've gifted. So if there's any like, do you like magazines or any other f- forms of media that you would recommend any, or even resources in coffee, if there's like a book or something or a YouTube channel. <sighs> yeah. Um,
0: I mean, I, the, the, one of the, the good places to, to go, I mean, there's a million coffee roasting videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the company that manufactured my roasters, uh, a little place in Minnesota called Mill City Roasters. Mm-hmm. They, um, I remember when I was kind of looking around to see um, what kind of roaster I would end up buying, I um, pulled a bunch of their videos and they have some really nice little uh, recordings of some of the classes and things that they do. Oh, cool. Um, and they get pretty geeky. But, right. Guessing that's probably um, not a bad thing for a lot of people.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, if they're interested in coffee, they're going to go and. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, uh, the, the coffee roasting
0: resources, there's still a ton of places out there. And a mm-hmm. lot of people, I know a few customers who do some home roasting stuff for themselves, and they sometimes, that was a website, Sweet Maria, has been pretty good at some goodness of and things like that. We talk about that kind of stuff a um, lot. You know, there's a lot of uh, good stuff from Reddit if you're really looking coffee roasting, too. Okay. Uh, but then you have to suffer through Reddit a little bit, if that's not your thing. <laughs> um, you know, the, the coffee resting stuff for me, a lot of times you spend a bunch of trial there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really uh, think of too much stuff in the internet right now Yeah. I think of something, so what do, I'm what the rest of doing, just kind of the I really wish I had more time to kind of
2: geek out and stuff. Right. Maybe one day. Like, so. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's the never-ending struggle of f- balancing new information versus yeah. doing your own thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other one, i like to close on this one, but I'll say it now because I think we've kind of been talking about bouncing around it is like advice to someone who's either in college or might be finishing college and trying to re-enter the real world for the first time.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, and I I think you have a really good, you know, to the ground kind of viewpoint of balancing ambition with Patience. Com- yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Um Yeah, I mean I, I think uh I think as as most uh most people are the younger you're know, a little bit more impatient and impetuous about things, really you know, like wanting life to fast
2: Yeah.
0: as you get know, older you're like I really wish things would move so fast. And it's just this weird balance and you start to realize as you get older, I think that, um, you know, the time always moves at a constant pace, which just feels different. And, um, you know, I think I look back uh, like when I got out of college and I, I kind of fell into a lot of the stuff that I was doing. Um, in a certain sense, that was a little bit crappy, but you know, in another sense, it was kind of, uh, it's kind of nice if, if you're the type of person who's okay with not, planning out certain things too far in advance, mm-hmm. just to kind of see where things go. Mm-hmm. Um And, you know, for the most part, I think I look back at, like, the time when I just got out of school, and I, I thought I had all these, like, ambitions to do things, but um, I didn't. I don't think I really knew what I wanted okay. Okay. At, at that point. Um But, it everyone's different. Right. right. So some people go to school and know exactly what they want to be. Um, and then there's a certain amount of people who, uh, like myself, maybe felt really despair uh, coming out of college, you know, even though I found a job really quick, mm-hmm. everything's fine, just not knowing exactly is this the right thing to be doing or is this the right the right way. It's, um, you know, if anyone's already like that uh, or anything like me, it, it, it does eat at you know, for a little bit, but then you get older and you realize, like, I shouldn't spend spent so much time just thinking about what I wanted to be, just enjoy where I'm at right now, which mm-hmm. is going to be go. um go. I think we all want to have a sense of purpose, which is totally. Right, sometimes for people's sense of purpose, you know, volunteering or working at a um, working at a place to, to help you know certain communities and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, you just gotta do you gotta do something that's right for you. Yeah, um, and you know, it's not always easy to know what that is, but uh, especially when you're younger, you have all the time the world to explore what that is. Yeah, and um, it's just uh, it's. I think the, the sense of needing to, to know what you're all about at, at any age is really silly. You. Yeah. In the 50s or 60s and still be yourself if you really want to. Mm-hmm. So nothing I,
2: I love it. <laughs> it's a cool answer, and I think it might be a problem with just how we raise as a society, where it's like once you hit, you know, college age or graduate school, whatever, whatever higher level education you it feels right for you. Yeah. It feels like, to some degree, people should have their life figured out. Once you kind of get knows. out of school, yeah, right? I'm
0: people do it, but <laughs> anyone who says they got their life figured out is either long up their butt, right, um, or like, like a very different kind of person, like that one percent, yeah, of the world that knows that stuff.
2: It's rare to come across people who are that motivated or that sure of their yeah. trajectory. It's very mm-hmm. easy to
0: compare yourself at that point too, which is just the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. You got to do what's right for you, not change yourself
2: in somebody else's. Mm-hmm progress. It's kind of been one of the themes that have come up in many of the podcasts is kind of like just following the meandering path mm-hmm. so to speak like yeah. the the unique god opportunities that come up in your life or the things that interest you just say yes to them more often than you say no. Yeah. And over time, that just kind of accumulates into this long track record of like, oh wow, I've actually been able to do a lot of things that I've always like I never dreamed I would be able to do. Yeah, yeah for sure. And you wind up getting there, and it seems like you're kind of on in the middle of that to some degree. With like, yeah, most things in life, I'm very much in the middle of. So. <laughs> I didn't mean it. Just it's probably no, no, feels, I, I take your point. I it feel it's probably strange for you just just to hear your story where you're explaining it. Like, yeah, I was just making coffee in my kitchen at some point, and now you know we're sitting here in your little shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I want it to be a bigger shop. So right, true. We'll but. See how long that
2: lasts. <laughs> it's always a work in progress, right? Yeah, yeah, like everything yeah. else. So, with that, I think this is perfect point to kind of cool wrap it up. And I really appreciate your time. Yes, yeah, my pleasure. If always, if anything ever comes up, there's always time for a round two. Because of course, it's only an hour. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot more to a person than just one hour conversation. Totally. So, well, thank you very much, sir. Thanks you. Sure.
1: of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net and with that thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. You just listened to an episode of Feeding Curiosity. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, subscribe, go check out the website over at feedingcuriosity.net and all the other things that we're doing there and once again, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you in the next episode.